This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Lord God, we need you way more than we actually get. We ask that you would speak into us, and not only that, that you would live in us and bring us life. Lord, use this time to glorify your name, to strengthen our love and our trust in you, to make us different, to make us more like you. Pray this in the powerful and saving name of Jesus. Amen. Have you ever run into those grandparents that just can't wait to show you their grandchildren on their phone? Not me. That's not me, right? If you want to check the screen out, uh, you know, I'm not going to show you on my phone. We're going to use the big screen, right? Infants are a blessing, Tremendous gift from God. Uh, and now, right after that, this is what she does. As you look at the, the next picture, she, she starts eating away on the pumpkin, right? See, infants are a blessing. They don't always use their gifts the way they're supposed to, though, right? I mean, it's okay that she put the pumpkin in her mouth because it's actually food, but Zoe pretty much puts everything in her mouth, right? If she finds a ball, it, it goes right to her mouth. Infants don't always use their gifts the way they are meant to be used. Infants, um, they're really impatient sometimes, right? They, they want what they want when they want it. Their feelings change back and forth really quickly, right? They can be crying, laughing, and crying in a matter of just a couple of seconds, right? They have short attention spans. Just ask any new parent, right? Infants are a huge blessing, but we do expect that there will be that day where they grow to be mature adults. Today, as, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our, our series on the study of that New Testament book, the book of Ephesians, under this theme, United in Jesus We Trust. And today, as we go into Ephesians chapter 4, what we're going to do is we're going to see, we're going to look at what's the difference between spiritual immaturity and spiritual maturity. Okay? So let's go ahead and jump in. Ephesians chapter 4 beginning at verse 11, it says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. 
And so as, as we look at these words, Paul starts to, to share some of the spiritual gifts that are given to the church. You know, the evangelists, the apostles, the pastors, teachers, and things like that. And, and what we find out as we go into scripture is that every believer, every believer in Jesus has at least one spiritual gift. Okay, a spiritual, special spiritual gift from God. And as we look into the scripture, there are about 20 different spiritual gifts that he shares among his people. And again, all the believers have at least one of those gifts. In addition to spiritual gifts, God gives us different strengths and abilities as well. According to Strength Finders, there are 34 different strengths and different opportunities and options of those strengths going back and forth. And in addition to that, according to the Enneagram, there are nine different personality types. Again, with different subsets. And so as, as we look at that and think about it, 20 spiritual gifts, 34 different strengths, nine personality types. This is wonderful. This is amazing. Only a creative and imaginative God would pour out so much blessing and so much opportunity and yet bring us all together with all that diversity and unite us as one in Christ. The problem is, is when we don't use those gifts, those strengths, those personalities in ways that they were meant to be used. The problem is, the issue is, is when we are spiritually immature. Do you know anyone who is spiritually immature? And don't you dare all point at me. Right? Do you know anyone who is spiritually immature? This is what the Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 14. He says, check it out. Then we will no longer be infants. Did you catch that? Paul said, we? This is the guy that, that God used to write basically half of the New Testament. This is the guy that, that God used to go on at least three missionary journeys throughout the then known world. And Paul says of himself, confesses of himself freely that he is a spiritual infant, that he is spiritually immature. I, I want you to know that if Paul can make that honest confession of himself, that he's spiritually immature, then all of us, no matter our education or our experience, no matter whether we are young or old or whether we have 150 plus IQ or whether we are a pastor, we are all spiritually immature. Let's see. Let's see if I'm right, okay? So I'll give you a couple of signs of, of spiritually immature people. Spiritually immature people know that they need to change, but they don't. Is there something that, that you've been putting off, something that you've, you've wanted to do, something you know you need to get to, but you haven't? 
Is there some sin that you've committed that you said, I'm not going to do that anymore. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that. I promise you, God, I'm not going to do that. I can't stand that. And yet you do it again and again and maybe even again and again. This is what the Apostle Paul says. He said, the good I want to do, I don't do. The evil I don't want to do. This I keep on doing. Spiritually immature. Spiritually immature person thinks that everything's about him or her. It's all about me. And so they, they wake up. We wake up with uh, an agenda. What I'm going to do today. That's why a, a spiritually immature person gets so upset by someone who has a, a different point of view or a different opinion. Spiritually immature person often thinks too much of themselves and too little of others, or just the opposite, too much of others and too little of themselves. The spiritually immature person wants to be served instead of to serve. And sometimes, though, the spiritually immature person plays out in just the opposite way. They say, boy, if it's going to get done right, I'm going to have to do it. The spiritually immature person is always competing for love and approval. And sometimes that competition for love and approval, it, it plays out in jealousy. Now, we, we often can't see jealousy out there unless someone really blows it, right? But we know ourselves when we're jealous, right? We're holding it in, but it is burning in our heart. We're jealous. When we compete for approval and love, it, it sometimes reveals itself in insecurity, and insecurity, again, can reveal itself in many, many different ways. But here's one of the ways, by using the word but. Okay. She's a really good singer, but. He's a really good leader, but. Spiritual immaturity is marked by pride and selfishness and by competing for love and approval. Do you know anyone who's spiritually immature? But, but what does spiritual maturity look like? Right? And, and you see, because just as there is a, a big difference between the, the typical infant and the typical 30-year-old, there is a big difference between someone who is spiritually immature and someone who is spiritually mature. Okay. Now, spiritual immaturity and, and infants, it's okay, right? I mean, we gotta start somewhere, right? We gotta start somewhere, but we do hope, right? We, the anticipation is, is that we are gonna grow into spiritual maturity. Tim Keller says this, he says, being a Christian is like riding a bicycle. You gotta move forward or you're gonna fall off. Spiritual maturity looks like this, according to the Apostle Paul. He says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient 
bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The words in there become mature, that, that really is a phrase that, that means this, one mature being. Okay, to become mature means one mature being. The word infants is plural. The word mature is singular. So think of it this way. We have the triune God, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, yet not three gods, just one God. One God. Not competing, completing. Think about how God made our bodies. Five different senses. Hearing, sight, smell, taste, touch, yet not five bodies, just one body. So God has given us all those spiritual gifts, all those strengths, all those personalities to come together and form one body united in Christ. Spiritually mature people live with the perfect balance of truth and love. The perfect balance of truth and love. And we need each other to be able to have that happen. We need to have each other speak into our lives. Truth and love in perfect balance so we can become spiritually mature. Let me give you an example of perfect balance of speaking the truth in love. Back at my first congregation, way back before some of you were even born, and oh, how hard that is to say, okay? You know, what we did was we would record the worship services on a cassette recorder, okay? And that's what a cassette recorder looks like, except that was like a really new addition, compared to the one that I used, right? And before every worship service then, I, I would walk out the side door. Maybe some of you can picture that. Walk out the side door, and there'd be this big old chair up there in the front. And before I sat down in that big old chair up in the front, underneath that chair was the cassette recorder, and I would push play and record to record the service. I don't know why I had to push play, for recording it, but you had to. You had to push play and record. And, and I would, and then the service would get recorded. And then after the service, I would hit the stop button. I'd give the cassette tape. Uh, if you don't know what that is, again, Google it, a cassette tape, and give it to Jackie. And, and Jackie was kind enough to dub it. Uh, what that means is she would copy it. Okay, And she'd make copies for all these people who couldn't come to church because we didn't have live stream or the internet or anything like that back then. And one day when she's copying the tapes, in the middle of all this, she comes to me and she says, dear, she goes, I don't mean to be mean, 
She says, you can preach, but you can't sing. You gotta stop singing, okay? Perfect balance of truth and love. We need that, a perfect balance of truth and love. If we lean just a, a little bit too far to the truth, it's not good. If we lean just a little bit too far to the truth, we are blunt, okay? And and whether we realize it or not, when we lean just a little bit, even just a little bit too far to the side of truth, whether we realize it or not, what we are saying is, you're wrong, I'm right. You're inferior, I'm superior. My way is is better. In other words, what it's really saying, when you lean just a little bit too far to the truth, is it's, it's really all about me. Pride and selfishness. We need truth and balance. Perfect. See, if we lean just a, a little bit too far to the love side, that's not good either. When we lean just even just a little bit too far to the love side, what we are really doing is we're hiding, right? We're we're hiding. We We don't want to tell someone the truth because it might hurt them. And if it hurts them, they might be angry with us. They may not like us. We might feel guilty. We might feel crushed. You see, it's, if we lean just a little bit too far to the love side, it's still all about me. Selfishness and pride. On the championship trophy of spiritual immaturity, Competing for approval and love. Engraved are the words selfishness and pride. Anybody here besides me ever lifted up that championship trophy of spiritual immaturity and held it up high? So how do we become spiritually mature? Here's our rescue story. It's a, it's a two-parter. Part one, the truth. And part two, the love, okay? Part one, the truth. The truth is that Jesus Christ died on the cross because of the truth. The the truth about you and me, the truth is uh, we aren't very good, okay? Uh, The truth is we're not very good at all, okay? The truth is, is, Spiritually, by nature, we're enemies of God and actually spiritually dead. The truth is that Jesus did not come to make bad people good people. Jesus came to make dead people alive people. The truth is, is our only hope is if God himself would come and take our place and die for us. That was our only hope. That's the truth. Let that sink in for a little bit, that truth. Our only hope is if God would die for us. It's part one. Part two, the love. 
the love of Jesus Christ led him to die on the cross out of love. See, despite our past, our thoughts, words, actions, despite our future, whatever it might be, our thoughts, words, and actions, Jesus saw you and me as so valuable. He loved us so much that he willingly gave up not just some things, that he, he willingly gave up not just heaven, he, he willingly gave up not just convenience, his convenience, his, his comfort, he gave up everything, everything, including his life, because he loves you that much. See, to the degree that you and I grasp the magnitude of the truth, to the degree that, that you and I grasp the gloriousness of God's love for us as individuals is the degree to which we will become spiritually mature and no longer compete against one another, but complete each other. Spiritual maturity is living from the truth that we are already loved and approved by God. And so we look to complete each other instead of competing against each other. So what does living in spiritual maturity, what kind of difference does that make? What, what difference does it make when we go out to complete each other instead of compete against each other? Paul says in Ephesians chapter four, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. See, living from the point of view, from the truth that we're already loved and approved by God, instead of trying to live for approval and love, already living from the approval and love of God, we are united in Christ. And you see, what our divided nation needs is a united church in Christ that speaks the truth in love. When a divided nation sees the united church in Christ speak the truth in love, what it does is it leads to confession. Maybe not so much the confession of the world, but our own personal confession that confesses there have been times when I've gone too far, when I've said too much, that there have been times where I did not go far enough. I did not say enough. A divided nation needs a united church in Christ that confesses. 
It doesn't blame someone else, but it, it takes on the proper responsibility, owns the responsibility of our shortcomings and failures. Because you see, confession leads to the healing process, which leads to completing one another instead of competing against one another. A divided nation needs to see a united church in Christ, united after one mission, the mission of Jesus Christ, to seek and save the lost. The divided nation going in all many different directions needs to see the united church in Christ after one mission, the most important mission of all, seeking and saving the lost. And when the divided nation and divided world sees that, at the very least, at the very least, it will draw attention. If not lead people to be compelled to check it out. Living from approval and love will lead us to complete one another instead of compete against each other. And so for, for you and me drilling down at even a little bit deeper, a little bit more, more practical, what, what's it mean for us? It, it means that as, as we look at uh, the, the weaknesses in our church, in our community, that we're gonna think about how we can use the gifts, the strengths, and the personality that God has given to us to complete our church and our community. Let me give you a, a couple of examples that, that we can do, okay? And you, again, you don't have to do these. There's a couple of examples. These might be something that you might want to do in your life groups or you might want to do as an individual, uh, but, but here's one, right? For, for a lot of us here today, Let's, let's be honest. Our cupboards, our refrigerators, they're pretty complete. Not everybody's got it that way. Yesterday before worship, I was watching a football game and it scrolled down on the bottom of the screen something like one in four Wisconsin families with children don't know where their next meals are coming from. How can we complete those families? At the end of the month, we're going to join together with some other churches in our community for another Mobilize Milwaukee. And what we're going to do is we're going to, it's called celebrating the 12 days of Christmas. And it's going to be a food drive that will support, in our case, the Muskego Food Pantry. So that you and I can use the, the gifts that we have to complete someone else's life. Uh, another example for us is, is that for, for some of us here, uh, already today, we're not even at Thanksgiving, for some of us, our Christmas shopping is already completed. Okay? And if it's not, we have a pretty good idea what's going to happen. We're going to go to Amazon, and, and we're going to pick out the gift, and we're going to click on it, and we're going to put it in our shopping cart, and we're going to buy it, and it's going to be paid for, and it's already taken care of. But again, not every family's like that. And so this year, once again, we're going to do our Friends of Jesus toy drive. 
where we can use those generous gifts that God has given to us to be a blessing to others and help make their lives more complete. Those are just a a couple of examples. The key thing for you and me is that you and I, living from the point of view, from the truth, from the point of view that we are already approved and loved by God, let's not compete. Let's complete for united in Jesus we trust. I'm gonna close our time together today with Jesus' prayer of unity and love for us. Uh, It's from John chapter 17, and I pray it along uh, with Jesus for you and for me. And when we, you know, see these words up here, this is Jesus praying for us. This is his prayer for us. Pray to his Father. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.